0: The following program was made possible by Ward's lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca.
1: What a year, eh? Yeah, I know we typically measure a year from January 1 to January 1, but July 1 to July 1 just seems right this time. Maybe because it starts and ends when it's not cold and miserable and you're cursing those six left-handed mittens in that bin that has zero right-handed mittens. July 1, even if it's hot and sticky and you have to rush to finish that Kawartha Dairy Ice Cream Cone, which is not a bad thing really, July 1 can inspire promise and hope, which we clearly depend on more than ever these past Long 28 months. And, and gratitude. Yeah, yeah, gratitude. So, wherever you are in Kortha Lakes, be grateful for living in a great area, in a great country, surrounded by many, many great neighbors. Welcome to a very special episode of The Advocate Podcast. My name is Denny Grignel. Now, this is where you would normally hear our theme music in the background, written and performed by the very talented Gerald Van Haltren. But something a bit different to open our July 1st episode. Music from Dunsford's Nathan Truax off his recent CD, Pickin' the Label. That song you hear in the background there, it's called I Want to Be Bad. The entire show today is dedicated to Nathan Truax and Kayla Muhammad. You see, a few months back at a house concert right here in Cortha Lakes, I caught Nathan, but not in a solo role. He was actually in kind of a musical supporting role, really, for the headline act, Kayla Mohamed. Nathan and Kayla are in their 20s and both musical purveyors of country music, but we're talking deep, deep roots country here. Did I mention that Kayla and Nathan, who just happened to also be partners offstage, stole that show? Kayla and Nathan will be at the Mariposa Folk Festival in Aurelia, which runs July 8-10. to 10. But Kayla and Nathan, they were kind enough to join me in my home. So sit back and enjoy this conversation with and the music of Kayla Muhammad and Nathan Truex. I want to do some dining. I'm sick. So- Kayla and Nathan are here with me in my home on the Cheese Factory Road. Kayla, Nathan, thanks so much for, for joining me. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Thank you. Okay, I have to ask, how do two people, um, not just into country, but deep roots country, how do they find each other, not just musically, and I'm going to let this out of the bag here, but also find themselves as not just musical partners, but partners off How How does that happen? Do you want to go ahead and answer that one? Well, Well, um, because I know you're not, I know Nathan, you're from Down the Road, you're Dunsford, and Kayla, you're from uh, Aurelia, so where where did that connection happen?
0: I was living in Toronto at the time, and there's um, the Dakota Tavern on Ossington. Um, They feature a lot of country acts, and I was there quite often. My friend Brittany Brooks, who's a fantastic musician, she was playing, and I went to go see her, and I had no idea that Nathan was also on the bill. Did
1: and you know of Nathan at that time? I didn't.
0: Time? So I, um, Brittany introduced me to Nathan, and I knew he wasn't from Toronto right off the bat. How come? Well, he's he, just his humble, lovely spirit. It was no offense to city people, but you can tell. <laughs> you <laughs> can truly tell when someone comes from um, a Toronto. rural area. <laughs> from a rural area specifically. Yes. Okay. And... uh I worked at a vintage shop on Queen Street West, and I like po- vintage clothes, so I came and
1: visited <laughs> purely yeah. for the vintage clothing, purely. Okay. <laughs>
0: and uh, yeah, we, we decided to go on a vintage shopping date um, as friends, <laughs> and
2: I think the, just the more we chatted, we were like, oh, you like this? It was uh, it was pretty special. I mean, I think we were actually both, Kayla and I, were pretty fortunate to have a small community. Um, based in Toronto, like I wasn't living there, she was, but of people that really love that type of music, you know, we were pretty lucky to have that little bubble.
0: I do remember when I first met Nathan, I commented on his cover of Loretta Lynn. I remember he, his eyes lit up and he was like, oh, you like that? I'm like, I love Loretta Lynn. And that was a, that was, I just knew that we hit it off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I would think a lot not a lot of your peers I would think that you're growing up with in Aurelia would be you know scribbling Loretta Lynn.
0: No um both my parents are early baby boomers and I grew up with a jukebox in my house and I I grew up listening to 50s doo-wop early rock and roll along with very early country music and I was uh I was always kind of like an out, outsider in that sense, growing up in Aurelia, Even though it's a beautiful, creative town, especially with my age demographic, it was a—I was definitely different. So it was nice to find someone.
1: Can I say soulmate? Can I say? <laughs> yeah.
2: I think we're there. Yeah. I'd say so. Are you there? Okay. Right. Well,
1: let me talk a little bit about. Let me ask you a little bit about that because when I saw you on stage at that house concert a few months back you could just tell you were more than just musical partners. Nancy, my wife and I were watching the show going this is more than just musical chemistry and it's not because you were singing a duet with each other with you know wide <laughs> wistful eyes but there there was just something that it it was just a something that you could tell. Can you speak to that how how your off-stage relationship reflects your performance on stage? Well,
2: I think I think that's exactly it. I think the on-stage uh, relationship is just a direct reflection of, of offstage because, like, we have a shit ton of fun.
0: <laughs> we sported each other's we sported music. We each
2: other. Like, I came, I went and visited her shows and, and her to mine. And then, and then it really, until you came to Dunsford, we hadn't played a, mm-hmm. a musical note together. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, we talked about it. Like, oh, we got to do a Graham Parsons and Emmy Lou Harris mm-hmm. thing or whatever. But it wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't actually happen until I think our relationship had become
1: established. So I think, I think it was basically. Destined to be, no matter what. Mm-hmm. That yeah. does seem to be coming around it, at it uh, a little bit backwards, because it would seem to me that most musical partnerships start out as a musical partnership and then get into the the, the partner off stage relationship. Mm-hmm. So, how do you think that helped shape your music and your performance on stage together, Kayla?
0: I think we have more than a handful of things in common. We have a lot of things in common, and when we met each other, it was kind of like, a. I had to keep pinching myself because it was almost too good to be true. (laughs) And it, uh, when it came to, Oh, you like this kind of music, you like this kind of era of fashion, you like, we have so many similar hobbies that it was almost like turning the page of, okay, what now? And we really, when we first met, we were sharing each other's music interests, um, much like one would do like making a mixtape for each other. Um, And we found that we've really overlapped
1: well, mixtape, you two really are old souls, or maybe you're just you're just doing that to appeal to my to my particular yeah, generation. Playlists is the right word, I guess. <laughs> no, no, go no. with. That. I like mixtape. We're, we're gonna stay with that. So, tell me about that moment then, when you realized that, hey, you know what? I, I don't. I think we can actually be musical partners. That when that light bulb went off, what was that like?
2: Well, I think it it sort of came slowly as we realized like what Kayla's strengths are. Um, didn't necessarily overlap as what my strengths were like what she's really good at it i'm not as good at and such as give me an example she is a very strong creative force and i've always struggled a little more being expressive creatively and a little more the tech side i guess you know like i love recording and engineering and and that kind of stuff and the creative aspect the songwriting as the ideas have been a little bit harder for me to develop i always have been um but Kayla's just always overflowing with ideas. So in that sense, it was like, well, what you're really great at, I'm not so great at. And what you have no experience doing, the recording end of it, like I just adore it so much. And because we like both the same things, I think we have
1: one really strong unit doing Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. That must have been such a sense of relief for you, Kayla, as as you mentioned, you know, in Aurelia, you were kind of on on the outside of that bubble to to find that that muse. Well, it
0: was... It was great, too, because living in Toronto for over two years, I was in a very lovely music community, um, primarily bluegrass and old-time music, and they were very supportive, and they welcomed me in with open arms, but I still didn't have that connection to, like, I had a band there, and they were wonderful, but I just felt like once I met Nate, we could just elevate together, if that makes sense. It was... Not that they held me back in Toronto, but I felt putting our both of our minds together helped us grow musically.
1: Yeah. And you met at a at a, an interesting time <laughs> on the behalf yeah, on, on the planet. And and, and and I always felt for musicians at, at the beginning of the pandemic because a lot of them couldn't get the, or they shouldn't get together if they were following the rules. Yet you were in a different situation where you could still collaborate. Musically, so what was that time like as you're just starting both those relationships where you're starting your relationship but also your musical collaboration and and you could still create together, whereas a lot of your peers couldn't even be in the same room together
2: I think a lot of a lot of our buddies were struggling. It was funny uh, everyone when this began, when people started getting time off work or whatever it was like, "Oh, this is great. We have so much time to write, but so many of our friends were like, "I have no desire to write because there's nothing there's no sort of end." in sight like what am i writing for what am i practicing for so i know a lot of our friends who i thought were you know very strong creative or like disciplined um in terms of practice or whatever weren't near as much but fortunately for kayla and i we kind of had each other to feed off of and there was like in terms of records and stuff like that there was a sort of tangible goal which i don't think a lot of people had the luxury of a recording studio in my parents house they didn't have that so i think we were
1: pretty lucky you, had, you had, i'm getting the sense that you had more more of a sense of optimism because you had you were just starting all of this together yeah
0: it was exciting it was a very dark time for many but a very it was a very exciting time for us
1: <laughs> once we recorded everything like i had
2: my stuff recorded we had kayla's stuff recorded the next and then gigs started kind of slowly happening stuff like that we're still sort of trying to figure out the next step of performing it live so we're still f- figuring it out luckily we had the time to to record it and we might have not otherwise
1: but now we're just like well what do we do with this stuff now so, so you had this time to actually create together this forced togetherness in the yes. sense yeah yeah well hey can uh, if it may I impose on you to? i know you brought your gear with you to to maybe give us a taste of what it was like when you were able to create and maybe hear one of the the end results of that let's make it happen all right grab some gear do you
3: want
1: to uh is this off of your uh ep uh, kayla yeah.
0: It's the one. It's my single that I just released. It's called uh, "Must Be Nice." I just heard yeah. that
1: earlier today. Well, now I, now I get to hear it right in front of me.
2: I don't know if we've actually played it in this format. I don't know if we've played
1: it. You don't know if you played back. it in a in a cheese factory road uh, yeah. living room with a with a, a little raggedly dog next to you in that format. Is that what you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> well, there. Oh, it's a tube amp, right? Little tube
2: amp. I yeah. could tell. Actually, like, I think. It takes recorded. a couple minutes to warm up. It does, yes. I I recorded the guitar parts on this song with this little guy actually. Ready? One, two, one, two.
4: woman from your broken past comes in and puts a price on your head. you're there sitting at the bar smoking your big cigar your face is wearing big old scar thinking you're a superstar it's true your face plastered on In and says hey but tears to you and all that stuff you take a puff and smile my way must be nice to get over Got a ticket to social capital. You're a gunslinging Ruben and one hell of a man. How's about I cuff you up? I'm not talking that kinky stuff. The law's a law. a ticket to social capital, you're a gun singing Ruben and one hell of a man, you're a gun singing Ruben and
1: one hell of a man. Whoa-ho, Nance, you're allowed to clap here.
3: <laughs> that, was <so laughs> that was so cool. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs>
1: oh, man, thank you. Yeah, this is fun. a... I, th- That's I feel fun. it's my own private little concert here, <laughs> just for you. Hey, I gotta ask uh, how how do you actually sit down and write together? I think
0: it honestly depends on not only the individual but the other songwriter and your chemistry. Sometimes you can get along in every form, but songwriting. And with Nate and I, I think it's we come together as individuals and have something to bring to the table. Like, I am notorious for not doing choruses. I don't know why, but Nate, when I play Nate a song, I'm like, what do you think? And he's, well, this needs a chorus. And then we'll sit down and he'll help me write a chorus. Mm-hmm. We haven't personally wrote one.
2: Like, side by side, yeah. like we're working on a collect. It's always been like, Kayla's brought like a three-quarter finished idea and is like, what do you think of this?
1: And then we kind of tweak a little bit from there. How does this compare to the other musical partners you've had? Because, Nathan, I know you've played with a lot of other people. And I know, Kayla, you had your own band in Toronto. So Mm -hmm. how does this work?
2: I think for me, anyways, it's been like her and I have so much overlap in desire. And I don't think every band or writing partner can say that so much. Like...
1: You're also not having to sit down afterwards and say, what's for dinner? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I
0: think it really um, helps. We have all the time in the world. Like, we're, we live together. And that, I think songwriting should just come naturally. And when it's forced, in my opinion, I can't, I it, it just doesn't turn out as well. So um, it's uh, like, say, if you have booked a little rehearsal space with a band and try to write, there's kind of like a crunch and a stress that adds to that.
2: Inspiration just might
1: not hit in that. Yeah. Like
0: Nate and I went to Niagara Falls as a trip, like just a songwriting getting away and like, Uh um, and we only got one song out of it. And we're like, you know what? That's okay. That's all right.
2: I hesitate to use the word producer because I don't really consider myself a producer, but like that sort of perspective um, and I think when a songwriter is working with a producer, there's usually two pretty clear visions and sometimes they're not always aligned, but Kayla and I tend to line up on the visions of the song a lot as an end product more than anything. And I don't think
1: I don't think everybody who writes as a team does so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if the pandemic has had a little bit to do with that. The fact that you've been forced into this situation <laughs> and you seem like yeah. very positive people, whereas you mentioned, and it's totally understandable that a lot of your musical peers were like, "Ugh, what's the point? Yeah. Whereas I get the sense just from talking to you that you're going, Hey, I totally see the point. Now this is our opportunity to, to really flourish.
0: I think it also has to add that we, uh, we really support one another and having, speaking from myself, having Nate's support Is kind of gives me that little push. If I ever want to, if I ever have dark thoughts and want to step back and I'm like, this isn't working, Nate's there to like, no, you got this. And I try to do the same thing. Vice versa,
1: yeah, absolutely. So Mm -hmm. we
0: just kind of keep it rolling. But
1: you want to channel some of those dark thoughts too, do you not, as a songwriter? Because I I, I mean, I've listened to to many of the songs, I've, I've listened to all your music, and there are the playful songs, but there are some that can be a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if bleak's the right word, but certainly pensive and dark. So I guess it's, how do you channel that at the right time together if one of you is up and the other one's maybe not so up and then vice versa? It's hard balance.
0: I uh, All of our songs that we have as individuals, that the darker songs, the, like, the very minor sad songs, we wrote, and this is so cliche, and I'm
1: sorry. No, no, go but, for cliche. Well, <laughs> cliche often is great because it's true.
0: <laughs> yeah. We wrote before we met, so we we play these songs together, and we love the songs still. But it's actually really hard to write a sad song nowadays.
1: Because you're so happy. Yeah. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> how how dare you? <laughs>
2: that's what my dad. My dad always told me. He, like so, there's a couple like darker country tunes, and he was always like, "That's you know, that's what you should. You're calling. You should be doing that kind of stuff." And it's just like I just like I'm not. Sad. I don't really want to write a song in a minor key. You know, <laughs>
0: it's uh, it's hard to write a song. There's some great songwriters out there that can write like stories about other people's feelings, and um, I when I songwrite, I have to, it has to be true to me and how I'm feeling.
1: There was an energy at that concert, if I may interrupt. When, yeah. when I watched that show, I mean, we all, you're right, we all know Nathan. Mm-hmm. He was performing steps away from where he grew up. Mm-hmm. And, and many of us, I'm sure, were, oh, this is Nathan and his friend Kayla. And then about 20 minutes into the show, with all due res- five minutes into the show, with all due respect to Nathan, it's, it's like he, he, was, he was there, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, and, and the focus was on, on you. Uh, so, what, what's that like for you to, to kind of reach that point where you know you're you're ingratiating yourself to, to the local musical fandom on on the same level as as Nate that, that took Nathan years to achieve. To be blunt,
0: mm-hmm. it's wonderful, and honestly, I think it really had to do with us as a dynamic duo too. It wasn't just if it was just me, who knows? Like people might have really had still enjoyed it but I think it just us together and seeing our chemistry that was a lot of the um the comments that people were giving at the end of the show the chemistry. That, yeah, yeah and uh I think that has a big thing uh, a big thing to do with it
1: and I think what I found interesting again about that chemistry and I, I know I mentioned this earlier is you weren't like singing into the same mic as a couple mm-hmm. uh Nathan you were literally probably eight or nine feet away yeah but you could still sense there was a sense of there. there's more going on here between these two people mm-hmm. than just musical collaborators.
2: I think it is a very <clears throat> intentional sort of camaraderie in the sense that like we both want the greatest thing for each other. It's so hard with musicians because there's a lot of ego involved, not necessarily as a bad thing, but like, you know, there's we're sometimes all, a bad thing, sometimes a bad thing, certainly. But I think when... Uh, Kayla and I w- individually have a goal. I think it's nothing
1: but support. The fact that your partner's offstage, you have no interest in trying to upstage each other. Yeah,
2: exactly. Like I don't want to, uh, I would never want to go to a, a Kayla show and, and uh, try to push my own music on it if it wasn't the right environment or and vice versa, you know.
1: If... Uh, Nathan, when we spoke last year, you told me that at the time you didn't believe people saw country music as, as cool and that you wanted it to be cool. You wanted them to see country music as cool. And I'm going to guess, Kayla, you're on on the same page as that. Why is that important to you that you want people, whether it's people your age or my age, you want them to see country music as not just fun but cool? Why is that important?
2: I remember being, when I was playing music as a kid in high school or whatever, country music just had an immediate reputation of being something that you don't want to be associated with. Whether it was old or new, it didn't really matter. I think there was this entire stigma surrounding the the country music genre but like some of the most badass dudes in the world like how is how could waylon jennings be not cool you know so i i guess basically what it is is it had such a positive influence on me and if i could break that stigma for somebody else and they can discover how great this entire vast genre is then like i've done my job you know Mm -hmm. i think i think i just would really want that kind of breakthrough for somebody else, if I can allow that to happen,
1: and you've got a deeper history with this, Kayla, because you didn't have to come to it if, the way you described it in high school. You were born into this. Mm-hmm. So, is your need to make this cool uh, different than maybe Nathan's is, given your longer history with it?
4: Well,
0: when I was growing up in my um, in my later teens and early twenties, I noticed that a lot of people didn't. If I if I say only country, it. A lot of older people liked it, which was great because I was was playing because I loved the music. Um, It would have been really great if my peers loved the music, but I think I took it harder when I was younger. Um, I think the best compliment I could get from a younger person in particular is, I don't even like country music, but I love this. I'm like, well, great, because guess what? You it do. is country. Well,
1: it's a little backhanded, but hey, good on you yeah. for, for accepting it for what it yeah. is. Well, listen, uh, I, uh, I'm i so thrilled that you've been able to, to join me here. Can you take us out with maybe one more song? Yeah,
2: gladly. Absolutely. Great.
1: Maybe set it up. Tell me a little bit about it. Spending all my money on guitars and cars.
3: Well, i all my money on guitars and cars but I can't afford my drinks down at the bar i down on my luck and I'm needing a buck. Give me one reason to think When I'm planning for my future Well I don't look too far ahead Because the things I should be saying are usually left unsaid Two peas in a pot No wonder you both get along When one gets sick, the other gets sicker And bad luck follows you around Go out and learn a thing. Cause if there's two sides to every story, well, I'm picking the wrong side to sing. Cause you are two peas in a pod. No wonder you both get along. When one gets sick, the other gets sicker, and bad luck follows you around. You're two peas in a pod. The other gets sicker and of bad luck it follows you around. You're two bees in a puck. Well you're two bees in a puck.
0: whoa You know what? If, it, if it's cool with you, we can you do like one it. more.
1: Yeah, we'll do one more. Uh, is it cool with me? Let if me it's cool my, with you. I'll, I'll have to think about that. All right, I've thought about it. Yes, please, take it out. Take us out. <laughs> you
0: want to start
4: it? Every time it rains, Lord, i gone Tell me, baby, why you've been gone so long. Well, there are wolfies.
1: Nathan, Kayla, thank you so much for this. Wow, what a way to kick off the summer.
2: Thanks for having us here. (laughs) Next house show will be at your place.
1: I think I I just had one all to myself. (laughs) I feel I should share it with others. Thanks to Kayla Muhammad and Nathan Truax for the conversation and the live performance right in my home. Kayla will be performing along with Nathan at the Mariposa Folk Festival in Orillia. They're on stage July 9 and 10. Go to mariposafolk.com for information on venues at the festival, showtimes, and how to purchase tickets. Hey, I got my tickets. I'm going to be there. If you go to our Facebook page, aptly named The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Core at the Lakes, you can leave us a message or post a comment about this and any of our episodes. And please rate us on whatever streaming platform you're using. That helps build our audience. All of our episodes are brought to you by the good people at Ward's Lawyers. Chris Ward and her team of lawyers, they have all your legal needs covered. Find out what they can do for you by going to wardlegal.ca. Big thanks to Gerald Van Halteren for writing and performing our musical Bridges and Theme. The Advocate Podcast Stories from Kawartha Lakes is written, produced, and hosted by me, your neighbor, Denis Grignel. Hey, if you don't have plans on July 1st, consider coming out to the Grove Theatre for a special stand-up comedy show, which I am honoured to host. Thanks for listening. We're back July 15 with a brand new episode that'll include a nice interview with this fella who fishes in a familiar but still unique fishing spot in Kawartha Lakes. It's a place where I grew up. I grew up on this side of town, so... You know with my dad and uh, my uncle Randy Robinson taught me a lot how to fish my grandfather as well you know it's just a it, it,
3: it's good memories